Welcome to this podcast. All said and done is intention to capture community conversations with the objective of bringing the best out of it. Well, well, after all is said and done, here's your host, Vincent Kapembwa. Father Frank, uh, welcome to All Said and Done. Hello, Thank Fa- you very much. Great, fantastic. When Let's I went to Australia mm-hmm. as a high commissioner, I started to see shops written Vinnie, Vinnie's, and so on. <laughs> and I and I later learned that uh, Saint Vincent de Paul mm. of the Catholic Church in Australia is a very powerful organization, mm. and they run shops where they collect uh, goods that are sold cheaply to the poor, or indeed sent to countries where they need. Mm-hmm. That's when I learned that all oh, the shorts for Vincent is Vinny. So I'll be calling you. That's fine. <laughs> Vinny on this program as many do. That's Thank you. It's a pleasure for me to be on this program. That's fine. Let's just lay the foundation also. I, I am a practicing Catholic, so like I've said before, I find it very hard not to call you Father Frank. <laughs> and I know I'm not the only one. You are not the only one. In fact, I was recently at an event where somebody called me Father. And I say, come on, please, I'm not supposed to be called father. Uh-huh. And the master of ceremonies actually chipped in to say, no, he's not supposed to be called father. And this master of ceremonies explained my mm-hmm. background and said, so yeah, he is a married man. Yes. Uh, when that was done and the master of ceremonies needed to call upon me to make it, uh, some remarks, mm-hmm. then he said, I'm not calling upon Father Frank Boyer to oh, make some remarks. <laughs> <laughs> a swallow of his own medicine. So yeah. at the end of the day, for some people, it's not because they think when one is ordained, they are a priest forever. No, mm. it's just that they are so used. They never mm. called me Frank Warrior in the past. Mm. They simply called me Father. So mm. it's like Father is what has stuck in their minds. It's like a name now. Yes, yes. Well, we'll use it loosely here as uh, Father to Minum Fiash. Now tell us, um, give us a bit of uh, the your decision point to become a priest. When did it happen? Yeah, be, be, before I can uh, go to that, let me be candid and uh, put something on record that leaving the priesthood personally is not something that I celebrate. Mm. Uh, as a matter of fact, I should have refused to come on this program mm. because it may create that impression that I'm happy with it. Um, this is something that I did and that I successfully did. Mm. I don't want to create that impression. Mm. My leaving the priesthood was tragic. I should admit. This mm. is the first time people may be hearing me saying this. It was tragic. Um, and I think that I was called to be a priest. I heard the voice of the Lord calling me to be a priest. And with a lot of faith, from the time I was a young boy, decided to become uh, a priest. Uh, some tragic events happened in my life and threw me in a direction that maybe uh, under different circumstances would never have happened. Mm. Uh, somebody would say, then are you regretting that you left the priesthood? That would be an easy question to ask. Yeah, I genuinely joined the priesthood uh, and I prayed every day as a priest that the Lord would grant me the grace to die as a priest. Mm. Uh, so I thought that I should put that on record. Everyone who's listening should not get the impression that I'm uh, very happy that I left the priesthood and that I, mm. I did it successfully. No, mm. no. But in life, certain decisions are made 
and you have to live with that decision. Of course, you don't uh, become grooming and, uh, you know, unhappy throughout because life is too short mm-hmm. uh, to be unhappy. At the end of the day, you live with it and you try to be happy. The Lord is very forgiving <clears throat> and that's how life goes. So uh, let's get back to the question uh, which you, you asked me. Just repeat the question for the sake of our listeners. Yes. I, I said, how did you decide to become a priest? And at what age did that happen? Yes. Uh, deciding to become a priest, in my view, and I think it's the case for many uh, priests. Some of them may have gone all the way to become bishops, uh, including Pope, because as a priest, you can rise up to becoming a Pope. Uh, and when I say to rise, I'm not talking about it in the sense of promotion, like in the secular world where you aim to, to one day become um, you know, president, when you are a minister, one day to become CEO, when you are a good employee of a company, not at all. The priests are humbly uh, hear the voice of the Lord to join the priesthood. And sometimes the grace of the Lord, the plan of God is that they rise up to that position. So most of the people, uh, including myself, we hear the voice of the Lord gradually. It is something that is gradual. And it may start from the time one is born. Because as a Catholic, you are baptized as an infant, as you know, Vin. So I was baptized as an infant. And I would like to believe that I was called to be a priest even before I was formed Mm. in my mother's womb. And that's what Jeremiah said. I called you even before I formed you in your mother's womb. I believe the same happened. So I was brought to church to be baptized as an infant. And I grew up as a Catholic. And when you grow up as a Catholic, when you go, go to church with your parents, you see uh, somebody. Those days, it was white people mm. uh, in front there, in white vestments, sometimes mm. red, sometimes purple, mm. sometimes green. Uh, the yes, and when the bishop comes, he was a very tall, flamboyant man, mm. very humble, eloquent. You saw God. Mm-hmm. In the bishop, you saw God in the priest. Uh, you you saw everything good about what it means to uh, to be a human person mm-hmm. in, in the priest, and spoke with authority, uh, preaching, asking people to love one another, and so on. Mm-hmm. All of us, all of us, were touched by the message of this priest. And I think growing up as a Catholic, that's where I can trace my vocation from. Mm. And then later on, we I, I moved to Livingstone as a young person uh, to stay with my grandfather and mother. Mm-hmm. My, grandma, my grandfather lived on a factory in Livingstone that was a clothing uh, factory. And it was just the three of us, grandma, grandpa, and myself. And every Friday and Sunday, we walked, we literally walked. Grandpa had the bicycle, mm-hmm. but we were going to church. We would not use the bicycle because the three of us couldn't get on the bicycle. Yes. So we would walk, uh, we would walk to, to, to church. And after church, after church, mm-hmm. this priest um, uh, at the parish just in town there near 217 shop in Millington would stand outside to greet us. Yes. And he loved children. Mm-hmm. He loved children. So he would put his hand over our head to bless us and mm-hmm. so on. And I just fell in love with priests. Mm-hmm. Until much later as a youth, I joined some clubs. 
I was never an older boy, but I joined the drama club. Uh-huh. Then I became very good friends with uh, late Father Ted Kayula, late uh, Father Colin Chantam, Father Colin Chantam, after he died only this year. And they, they inspired me, we became personal friends with them. I joined the vocation club. Uh-huh. And later on, I, I just admired to be a priest. And uh, I thought, and it was something that I could do to save the people mm. and so on. Mm. I traced my vocation from these um, uh, you know, events. As a matter of fact, when I finished school at Peter Boyd, I, I got my first job at Core Limited mm-hmm. in the Yes, uh, but I was only on that job for one day. It was such a tough job. <laughs> you were making a call. Uh, it, was, it, it was very labor-intensive uh, mm. Uh, you, you you were dating, um, um, I can't remember what they call them, mm. sort of like bricks of coal mm. that were used to smelt mm-hmm. the, the, the scrap metal to make the bonus that Skull Limited was making. Mm-hmm. So I got on that job. The first day I went, I think it was around 17 hours, started at 18, finished in the morning, and I never went back. It was such a tough job. <laughs> and when the, the scrap metal was lowered into that um, big penis, I don't know how many people have had this experience, you know, sparks of um, uh, fire would just spread out. And when that happened, you all stood still with your helmet, and these um, sparks of fire would be falling on your element and then they get to the ground. If you are not lucky, some would go under your overalls uh-huh. and do something. Do it, something it'll dangerous. be a dancing moment. So, so I, I, I never went back. Hmm. And after um, a few weeks, I managed to get a job but Payway. The, the company was owned by Mr. Eugene Apple, Apple, who was one. Yes, was once member of parliament for Kwacha. Mm. Uh, he, he happened to like me. I was introduced to his wife mm-hmm. by late Mrs. Chileshe, who used to be in Buchi, they owned the bottle store there at Buchi, Chileshe. Mm-hmm. Many people in the Europa Belt would know this family that was uh, late. So she introduced me, Prima Sylvia, the mm-hmm. wife of um, Mr. Apple. And then my Sylvia introduced me to Mr. Apple, which I me as a young person. Mm. Offered me a job, so okay. I worked there as a storeman. And as a storeman, when it was time to go to to the seminary in 1989, 89, so I went to, to to him to tell him I was leaving the job because I would go to the seminary. Mm. And he thought that I was joking. Mm. He said to me, "We agreed that we'll send you to ICT in Osaka." to do some technical course so that you come back and help the company. I said, well, I've always wanted to be a priest and I've got the acceptance later. It's time for me to go to the seminary. So what he said to me was, I know many people go to priesthood, fail to make it. And come so back. we'll keep the job. We'll keep, we'll keep an opening for you. Uh-huh. If you want to come back, please do come back. And mm-hmm. I was given a bit of money because my mother didn't like the admission. Mm-hmm. So I was given a bit of money after leaving that job, which I used to buy some new shoes, a bag, yes, a soap, and so on. The things that they said you needed to bring as a student reporting for the first time. Mm-hmm. So that's how the training started. Mm-hmm. When I came back for the first time on, on, on holiday and I went to greet Mr. Apple, he laughed and said to me, you see, young man, I told you <laughs> that you will not make it. You will be back. You see? Yeah, yeah, you are. But yeah. anyway, uh, as I promised you, we have 
um, an opening for you, you can come back uh-huh. and work with us. I said, hold on, hold on, Mr. Hold on, I'm on holiday. Mm. What? I thought that when people go to priesthood, they never come back until they become priests. Mm. No, 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 no. Mm. We're actually on, on holiday. I was in Osaka at the Mouse Spiritual Center. We are on, on holiday. And then next we are going to St. Dominic's in Kima. Mm. And he loved my commitment and said, well, whenever you're on holiday, come back and got this job. Great. So I worked almost throughout during holiday, almost throughout my, my training. Mm-hmm. That's how I raised the money to pay for my own, uh, uh, you know, needs, and sometimes even to help my siblings and so on. So that's how it started. I can't pinpoint yes. to say, "Oh, I was sleeping uh, one day, and, and then the Lord told me." No, 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 no. The eureka moment. Okay, I totally understand. Um, uh, you said that something tragic happened that led to your leaving priesthood, and you're not proud of that. Are you able to to give us insight on what really triggered the living? Yeah, you see, I was trained by the Catholic Church as a journalist. But before that, when you are being trained as a priest, you do what is called the social teaching of the Catholic Church, Mm. moral theology, uh, and and so on. And there's an emphasis on what the priests in Latin America uh, did to liberate their people from the dictators there, the tyrants, and so on. These things affect uh, people differently. Uh, some become, um, um, uh, you know, that becomes part of their lifestyle. They want to be an activist, mm-hmm. and so on. Others would be more spiritual, uh, praying for people, and uh, and so on. And there's no superior approach between uh, whichever one seems to be driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, into, so I think I was I was a lot in that uh, activism for human rights, uh, people's liberation, and uh, and so on. And somehow that was my kind of um, lifestyle mm. or things that I loved, even as a uh, as a young people. I mean, as a young person. Mm. And and there were other things in life in terms of how I grew up and so on, which could have influenced uh, my worldview uh, as such. Mm. Uh, so, during the seminary, I was writing, even before I was trained as a journalist, because that was after seminary. I was writing, I was the editor for, I think we called it the SOA, at mm. Dominic, I'm sorry, at um, Pima, I was writing articles, I was later on an editor. When we came to St. Dominic, during our, the last part of our training, I also became a member of the editorial board mm-hmm. of the newsletter for the seminar called The Witness. Again, I was writing, I ended up being the editor. So the church saw that I had been an interest in that area. Mm-hmm. And I was one of those that was uh, earmarked for training as a journalist. And maybe in future to help in the communications of the diocese, to help at radio change if possible and so on. Mm-hmm. So that's how it went. Went to Africa Literature Center. Then from there, uh, eventually got appointed as um, communication secretary for the diocese and then actually changed as station manager. At that time, they called the position station manager. Mm-hmm. So I started doing programs, some spiritual programs like Navapa Window every Sunday morning, uh, and then what was happening with Tonaura. Then there was this movement growing against the MMD. Initially, it was the third game, and I was part of that, doing mm-hmm. programs. Supposing the third term, 
and I got very this, uh, this was during the, how, the Frederick Chiloba MMD yes yes and I got very intense about how the MMD that time insulted uh, late uh, Bishop Dennis De Jong because he stood his ground against the third term mm. uh, and then there was that um, you know conflict between the church and the government at that time but that passed President Manawasa came um, and I continued with these programs. Then he died. President uh, Pia Banda came, and the movement for the wind of change was blowing. And I got onto the one bag or the, 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 the bandwagon doing programs, mm. uh, essentially campaigning a government that had become uh, corrupt. Extending and that, that uh, activism day. that you you are interested in, you were just extending. Yes, it. yes. So at the end of the day, there was this standoff between the church um, and the government because of my activities. Then I was removed from Radio Changelo, and then things moved so fast. I decided that I should continue the campaign in the government at that time and engaging in the activities we had started. Let me just cut, you, let me, let me just, let me just cut you a little bit there and uh, amplify a point you raised there. The church removed you from station manager at Radio Changelo. Did you think the church was uncomfortable with your activism? as a priest at the same time? I respect my church, I respect my bishops, and the decision they made was a wise decision. Mm. And that's why after they made that decision to remove me from Radio Echengel, it opened my mind to realize that even to continue uh, as an active priest standing on the pulpit, uh, preaching was untenable. And it was from that background that I decided to seek for leave of absence. These are the tragic events. Because when I sought for leave of absence, I genuinely believed that I would uh, eventually uh, come back to the ministry because I loved to be to be a priest. There is nothing wrong I did. I wasn't uh, kicked out of the priesthood. I voluntarily walked away like that. Mm. And you know, it's like marriage. And you may divorce, marry another woman and be happy with that woman, but you can't forget uh, the wedding day with the first um, uh, lady, if you had some children, you know, mm. the beautiful children that you have, the suffering that the children go through to see that their parents have divorced. Uh, although the, mother, the father may be happy with the new woman, mm. the father may have been wrong, the mother may have been wrong, you know, these things. Such is life. life and, yeah, such, such, such is life. But at the end of the day, uh, people always suffer because certain decisions are made. Mm-hmm. There were some of my relatives who were very strong. By that time, my mother was very much supportive of my vocation and so on. My fellow priests who loved me so much saw me being ordained, but mm. expected my ordination by laying their hands on me. Mm. So there were all these um, uh, things that which I call how tragic. Did, and how and how the, did those react? Your mother, your siblings, your friends. How did they react at the at the notice or realization that, or when you informed them that you're gonna leave uh, uh, priesthood? Yeah, because the leaving of priesthood did not happen like in one day to say, boom, I'm leaving the priesthood. Mm. It was a chain of events, as I, as I said. It was a chain of events uh, from this standoff between the church and the government that time, being removed from radio chamber. And each one of those was coming with its own uh, impact and people had been affected. I remember on the day I was sent by to the a community on the copper belt and the members of staff. Mm. A few members of staff there cried like babies. Mm. 
they thought that I needed to continue in that position in the and developed yeah. a very good loving team working together and so we had our own challenges yeah. because at the end of the day we are, we are weak speaking uh, from my experience team. with you i mean uh, you're a good person anyone would easily shed tears when you you're saying bye now tell me how is <laughs> your how's your catholic life today how's your religious life yeah i remain a catholic i still pray that i'll die a catholic uh and on this one i just want to believe nothing tragic would happen to throw me in a different direction <laughs> i try to go to church surprises <laughs> yes 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 i go to church every sunday and god has blessed me with what i call sunday health mm-hmm. sunday health uh, even when i get sick i may have diarrhea and so on when it gets to saturday <laughs> evening i'm fine i'm fine and on sunday i go to church I even think when I get malaria, I uh, when it gets to Saturday, I think the ordination anointing is still working. Uh, yeah, so you know, sometimes I go for four years, going to church literally eh, on Sunday, literally every Sunday. Mm, that's common. And somebody says, "Ushe muta muluala." I said, "No, ndaluala." But on Sunday, that's what happened. I'm well. <laughs> I'm well, or feeling better, and and I go to. Uh, to church once in a while i'm traveling on a sunday mm. uh, flying between um you know countries and i've always uh had enough maybe six hours stopover and i ask a question is there a catholic church nearby here somebody oh, yes. says no here at the airport you should actually get an there app. And the you should actually get an yeah. app find me my church it can locate you a, a, a nearest church in, in no time you see there you are so this is what has been happening i i don't go to communion and uh, un, un, unfortunately because we didn't marry in church mm. um, by that time i had not gotten my dispensation to to marry so because of that i don't go to communion but it what, does that, prayer, what, does that, what does that make you feel um, mass is the highest level of prayer in the catholic church and then uh, the eucharistic ce- celebration is the purpose of religion on earth and then you don't commune. Yeah, when I left the priesthood, finally, and I wrote to the bishop, and it was not, it's not a long time ago, because it took almost 10 years for me to finally write to the bishop to say that I was not going back to the priesthood. So essentially, that's when I left. Mm. Uh, but by the time I left uh, active ministry until about four years ago or so, um, I was still going to communion because I was not married. I got married in 2019. That's when um, I couldn't go to communion. So even this time when I go to church and I'm not rising and people know me and still call me the father of God. And then the father of God, yeah, then the father of God. It's an element of embarrassment. But you know, these are spiritual things. Mm. You don't. Um, I know feel bad because people feel this way or look at it that way. Just accept the situation. Mm. I try to humble myself, acknowledging that I'm a sinner and that this is the state in which I am. Uh, God willing, I shouldn't die before Amen. receiving communion again. Amen. Now, um, you, you and me agree that life is full of surprises and it surprised you how you've come to where you are today. Would you, if it surprised you, go back? to priesthood? I would say that um, the ordination, everything about the priesthood, when I think about them, I just cry. 
I prayed that I would not cry during this program. Uh, and I prayed a lot that God gives me, uh, you know, the, the, the strength to go through this program talking about my priesthood mm. without shedding tears or without crying, so to speak. Mm. So that ordination was the best ordination. But there was another ordination. And I don't want to, I mean, there was another celebration. It wasn't an ordination, but it was a celebration. Uh, so there's the ordination and the wedding. And, and I don't want to compare the two. Uh, God gave me uh, this love inside my heart to love him and to serve him. Um, and the same God gave me this love to find a woman. Um, and marriage is not sinful, per se, especially that I'd left the priesthood. And then there was an a wedding. I don't want to compare the two because I may send the wrong signal. Mm. It's a very, very awkward question. I've never been asked an awkward question. I would say this is the first awkward question I've been asked. There you go. I'm, I'm <laughs> delighted also that you have taken the courage to to have this interview with me and I apologize for taking you through an emotional path. Uh, it's not easy. I, I can feel your emotions too. Um, let me shift you. Um, tell me about your marriage life. Uh, tell me about your wife. Yeah, married to Joyce Kunika. Oh, what a coincidence. Beautiful. My wife is Joyce too. And as a matter of fact, you went oh. with Joyce to MEF at the LLC at almost the same time. She remembers you. Yes, yes. I remember. My wife is of the stature of your wife, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> I should have been a priest. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, tell me. And so in December this year, we'll be three years married. Uh, and we, we are happy. Marriage is not something easy. Mm-hmm. Just like the commitment of priesthood, mm-hmm. it's a daily renewal of commitments to work for the people, to serve the people, and to remain holy. Uh, the same applies to marriage. You have to be uh, faithful to, to, to one another. It's not easy, but you move together, loving one another. And it has its own happy moments, and there is a lot of happiness in marriage. Mm. So that's what I can say. My wife is not a, a social media person, and uh, you know. I tried to look for her. I couldn't find her. I couldn't even find a single <laughs> image you with her, other than the wedding reception type. But I was looking for something. I couldn't get it. Yeah. So, so for 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 that reason, I try to avoid. This over publicity, uh, over publicity on social media and so on. It may send the wrong signal, but it's just that why what we have agreed. Yeah, you made the right choice. Marriage. You made the right choice. Yeah, please, please. So I'm happy, okay. very happy. I'm glad and to hear that. And we're trying to make it together. Ah, wonderful. Any children? No, not yet. Not yet. I like that. Children, not yet. Uh, it's working progress. Uh, <laughs> the children are a gift from God, and when they come, they come. If they don't come, they don't come. Mm. Uh, love uh, conquers all. Okay. Um, I need to introduce you to the idea behind this podcast. It's called All Said and Done. Uh, I intent- I created mm-hmm. it so we could talk about things that people go through and how they make it through. And I think your story does have a lot of that component. Right now, there's somebody who's facing a challenge in life who's listening to you speak about how difficult it is and just, I can hear you, your voice, uh, your emotions in your voice. Can you just talk to someone going through a, a, a point of indis- indecision 
or maybe if I make this choice, even when it's a good choice, it others are going to get affected negatively. But they've got to find a way of making that choice. Just pick somebody up to give them some motivation. Yeah, I would say to somebody there who could be in a situation that I was before, in the case of priesthood, in the case of marriage, you don't pray to leave, you don't pray to walk away. It's not a good thing. It wasn't designed as that. But at the end of the day, uh, sometimes things happen and you have to walk away, you have to leave. Uh, in my case, it was very difficult to survive because I needed an income and so on and so forth. But you see, there's always a way that God, because he loves us so much, uh, understands our situations, forgives us for our wrongs. And sometimes we're not the ones who are actually wrong, we are trust into a certain direction by the actions of other people. But believe you means that God is always there. And you need to believe in yourself. Uh, you need to have the inner strength to, to know that that is life. Life is a lot of happiness, but it is also a struggle. It's also a struggle. And when you struggle, these battles are won. And at the end of the day, you win the war. And the war we are talking about, winning it, is about being a happy person because we, we, we were not... Uh, put on this earth by our Lord, our Creator, so that we may only struggle and be unhappy now, so that we can have life and have it to the fullest. And we need to make an effort and believe in ourselves. There you go. All said and done podcast. Don't miss the next episode.